Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Allie Spears, and this is The Dirt, where we dig deep with those helping to feed the world. Episode 7, Whitney Larson. I am sitting down with Whitney Larson, and Whitney Whitney lives in Kansas, and she is a farm wife and raiser of crops and children, Um, and she's also a co-host on the Midwest Farm Wives podcast and um, has some other really exciting ventures going on. So we're going to kind of get into that a little bit. But Whitney, um, if you could maybe just kind of start off by giving us a little bit about your background and your story to get things rolling. Okay. So my husband and I, Bart, we live in Northwest Kansas, kind of like a desert right now. It really never rains. So it's super dry on this side of the Kansas line. Um, We raise, we we started farming uh, eight years ago. He grew up farm ranch. His parents had a big uh, Black Angus ranch. And so he's been in a tractor and moving cows and doing all that all of his life. Um, I, on the other hand, grew up in the town and the city, not really a city, it's a town, but very ag related. Um, You know, my granddad was a farmer. I rode rode in the tractors when I was little, but that skipped a generation. My mom, she worked for a lawyer, so she did not step into the role of farmer's daughter. Mm -hmm. And I grew up all things basketball and softball and volleyball. So our summers were spent in the weight room, um, in the gyms. We did like traveling summer ball. So we, I did not, I did not know how to do anything when I married Bart. I couldn't even back up a trailer. So, (laughs) so he has molded me into the farm wife that I am. So eight years ago is when I guess I stepped into the role of being a farmer. Okay. So yeah. And so I think your kind of story, I guess, uh, compared to where you are now, I feel like is kind of different and unique um, to some other some of the other people just because, um, like you said, you didn't have necessarily a strong ag background and you didn't grow up doing things on the farm, but what, through that, what kind of made you say like, this is what, yes, like I can be a part of this. Um, you know, agriculture is kind of where I fit. Right. So, so growing up, you know, I didn't even know how the food got in our freezer. You know, I, I was that person that I just thought, well, my mom goes to the grocery store and we have a freezer full of meat and vegetables. And so when, when we got married, Bart worked for a farmer where I am from and he wanted to come back to his family farm, but there really wasn't any room. He's got three older brothers already that were back. And so we had to make the hard decision to start on our own. So we call ourselves first generation because we've done it our own. We haven't we're not on his family's land and we're not on my family's land. So we say we're first generation with farming history. Okay. So, so starting as a first generation farmer, uh, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of scary that you have to jump into. You know, I'd never been a part of anything but a vehicle loan. 
Mm-hmm. And so when we went to sign the operating note, it's like, holy moly. Yeah. Our lives are, are we are going to have to work our butts off or we're going to, you know, the bank's going to own everything that we got. And so when I saw him start working extremely hard and the hours, and you know, I think anyone that is a farm wife, when they've watched their husband harvest or like go out and look at their crops, the passion that they have towards that, his dream, it was his dream, but it became mine. Like he molded my dream to want to farm because of how I watched him. I, I had no, no intention of being as involved as I am. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything. I, I was basically a virgin to the farm. So I was really scared and nervous and and I'm glad that he allowed me to be a part of his dream because I can't imagine being anywhere else now. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, you guys have really kind of done it all, like you said, on your own first generation with a little bit of history. Um, that's, I think, very commendable. And the fact that you guys have kind of created all of this for your, your own family and um, put in all of the legwork for it. Um, that's, it's hard when you have a huge operation and that you're continuing, but even harder, I feel like, when you're starting from scratch. Right, um, it was hard. So with what, obviously, you guys are farming, what uh, is the main thing that you guys farm um, and raise, I guess, crop-wise? So the main thing on our farm right now is corn, okay. and that's just how it's laid into the rotation. So last spring, fall, we got a ton of rain, which I wish we would get again, but (laughs) so we decided to put back a bunch of corn because, you know, corn requires a lot of moisture, and so we didn't drill any wheat last year. We have in the past had wheat crop, Um, so this year we're mainly corn and milo. Corn and milo. That's what we have. Corn, milo, wheat, and we did grow some triticale for a dairy last year, Mm. but we found that that depletes our moisture real quick, so we haven't been able to double crop stuff anymore. And so for the corn, what is that used for? I mean, is it sweet corn for humans to eat? Does it go to cattle feed? What's the prime use for that? So so what we grow here is field corn. Okay. Um, there's field corn, there's white corn, and then there's sweet corn. So we grow field corn. I guess you could eat it if you wanted, but it's not, it's not what you're getting from the grocery store. Like, I wouldn't suggest it. And so what we grow, well, with, you know, the coronavirus stuff, it was last year was probably 85% of our corn went to ethanol plants. Mm. And so we've actually had a ton of shutdowns around here. I really don't know where, where our corn will be marketed out this year, but mainly livestock feed. There's a bunch of feed yards around here and ethanol is where our corn goes to. Okay. Right. And then where you guys are, and I really didn't realize this until I was on the livestock judging team at A&M and we drove through that area, but the um, corn being used for ethanol is a huge deal through your guys' area. Um, Very big. So so a, a big byproduct of ethanol is DDG, and that is used in cattle feed. So Bart's dad, they live right down the road, and they get a bunch of DDG from the ethanol plants that are here. And with the, you know, the ethanol plant shutting down, he's been limited on being able to get DDG, and a lot of people are having to change their feed rations to, I think some people are trying soybean meal. Oh, interesting. I, I don't really know that for sure, but you know, the ethanol plants are a huge deal for Kansas corn and hopefully we can get some open back up with people being able to travel again. Right. And I, I mean, you just touched on it a little bit, but with everything crazy going on, how has that kind of impacted you guys in a large way as far as things that you're doing in your operation or just kind of trickle things down? Um, um, no, no, I would say for the most part, no, as far as the markets and stuff. Yeah, that's a yeah. huge hit. Like financially, 
it's going to be a hard year for everyone, I think. Absolutely. Um, we do a lot, a lot of custom offsets, a lot of our expenses, thank goodness. And as far as that goes, I mean, people still got to spray their weeds or you're going to have a mess. And we still got to try and put a crop in the ground because, well, that's our livelihood. So right. yeah, nothing's changed for us, thank goodness, as far as that. But if those markets and ethanol plants and everything would like to bump up again, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, the farming community, we're always, I feel like we're always a little bit crazy because we're, uh, you know, putting in long hours to make a little bit of money. But this year, man, it's going to be rough for everybody. It is. And, you know, all we can do is pray. We can't change any of those dang things that are happening. So absolutely. Yep. Just keep, keep trucking on, I guess. I know. Um, and there was something that I know you did a post about and I really had no concept of it until I kind of read something you did. You guys do, you do no-till farming, correct? Can yes, you explain yep. a little bit about that? Because I wasn't super familiar with that, and I know maybe somebody watching this may not be as well. Yeah, so, so no-till is where you leave residue in the ground. So a lot of places, you know, we don't get much moisture. So every ounce of moisture we get, we'd like to keep in our ground. So when you till the ground here, I'm going to talk for our climate. I don't want anyone to get offended that... I'm bashing tilling because I'm not. So when you till the ground, you're moving that soil, letting the sun see the soil so it's drying it out. So then also when you're tilling, you're upsetting the weeds, but they're reseeding themselves. So every time you till, it's just like in your garden. So if you have a garden, every time you hoe your weeds, more come back essentially, right? right? right. And so with no-till, we do still struggle with weeds. I'm not going to say we don't have weeds, but if you like look at my posts, we always have, so we'll have corn rows and there will be the last however many years crops in between those. Right. So you right. can, so if you go to our field, you can see wheat stubble. Um, sometimes you can see Milo stalks. Um, we don't really have that many, but you can always see corn cobs, which is really cool. Like corn cobs with no corn on it. And so we no-till to preserve moisture um, to reduce erosion. So where we, where we don't have any runoff, that water stays there. Well, a tilled, tilled person here, when you till it, you start to get, you know, washouts. And then we have tailwater pits everywhere, which they don't ever get filled up, but you can drive by a tilled field and they'll have just low spots that collect all the water. Right. So all that water just runs off into there instead of staying where it's at. So reducing erosion, preserving your water, that's huge around here. So we no-till to do that. So what we do is we spray our weeds with um, a spray rig. I mean, you can use, there's some people that use planes. Um, you can pull behind a tractor. So what we do is, you know, a lot of people get turned off by spraying chemicals, but if they were to come and watch Bart load, 80% of what goes in his sprayer is water. Right. It's a very little amount of chemical, very little amount of whatever we put in there, herbicide, um, and it, it does not affect your, your food. There's a, there's a date after however long spraying that you cannot harvest, which we don't even spray that far in because your corn gets huge. You can't, you can't get in there with a spray rig. And so today Bart is actually, he's on some taller corn. It's probably maybe knee high, hip high, and it didn't get sprayed yet. So he's running drops, which are they hang off of the spray booms mm -hmm. and it goes down because you know it's canopied already. And so it goes down in there so it can get the weeds that did not get hit already. So yeah, no-till is a very big part of our operation and 
I do a lot of posts on them. If anyone, we, me and the kids actually did an experiment. It was super fun to do. So yeah, you can look at that. It's really cool. Yeah, that's, and that's kind of, I hadn't heard of no-till before, but I didn't really pay much attention, honestly, until um, I was reading your post and I was, I'm glad you explained it that way because I was kind of curious about the benefits and especially I think to your area. Um, so thank you. That cleared some things yeah. up on my end at least. Yeah. Um, and two, I'm glad you touched on the chemicals and um, kind of the use of that through farming. I think, like you said, people get freaked out that there's chemicals being put in their um, food to, or to grow their food. And um, like you said, there's, it's very similar to animals with the withdrawal period as far as um, using right. antibiotics and that. It's not getting into the um, direct system of your food product. It's long gone right. by the time it reaches your table. Um, so I'm glad you touched on that as well. Yes. So kind of to change gears a little bit, I want to talk about your um, midwife I keep saying that Midwest Farm Life—it's <laughs> a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> um, podcast and kind of how that came to be and um, what you guys are doing with all of that. Okay, so Midwest Farm Wise was born when I love podcasts. So, like a couple years ago, podcasts were that's all I would listen to. I got tired of the radio, the same old songs. So. I just had a thought one day, like, I would love to have a podcast. I had no idea if anyone list, would listen. Um, so becoming a farm wife is, or a farmer, you know, whatever in general, ranch wife, it's very isolating. And so when I first married Bart, he moved me here to the middle of nowhere. I didn't know anyone because it was his hometown, not mine. Um, I didn't know any farm wives like everyone else would get to go to the lake and do this and do that. And we had to stay here because of irrigation and work. And so I was lonely mm -hmm. and I, I couldn't relate to anyone. And so I, I don't know, I kind of fell into like a negative depression type of thing. And so when I found Instagram, I couldn't believe the amount of women that were like me. It was like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not right. feeling crazy in these feelings. And so I just wanted to start something for women to feel like they could relate to us, hear our voices, not just see pictures, and to let them feel like they're not alone or, I don't know, to make them feel like they're not crazy in the life they're living and that they can, they can do the hard things just like Kylie and I can. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I actually talked to uh, Jess Peters kind of about mental health and all that. And I think it all feeds into one another. Um, there's, it's, I mean, I'm not a farm wife, but I grew up on a farm. My dad was a far, farmer and um, it's a lot. And it I know is. just kind of you're alone for a long period of time, kind of single parenting it um, while your husband's out taking care of stuff. And then I think also, this is one thing that you touch on a lot is kind of um, everybody has a different role on their operation and not to kind of compare yourself. Um, can you maybe touch on kind of your views on all of that? Cause I think what you, how you say it is very, um, eloquently put. Yeah. So, so when I first started, you know, I knew nothing. Thank goodness that Bart, he, I really didn't get a choice. It was like, no, you're going to learn to back this up. No, you're going to get in the grain cart. Like you can do things, you can do hard things. He pushed right. me to do it because otherwise I don't know that you know, stuff on the farm is kind of nerve wracking and scary. It makes your heart race. And so if you don't have someone to push you or see that someone else can do it, it's hard. And so I was the farm wife in the beginning that delivered meals and gave rides. 
and then I grew into the farm wife that runs everything and still does that. And so I got to where when I wasn't in the tractor, I felt like I wasn't doing enough. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to resort back to, or, you know, revert back to, I am doing enough. You know, my role is just in a different, when we had kids, it changed. I couldn't do the hard things because I had a kiddo in tow. And so I feel like people compare on social media terrible that, you know, she's running a combine. I'm delivering supper. We don't, I don't measure up. And that is not the case at all. We're all in different seasons of life. And what works for your farm may not work for somebody else's. So for instance, Kylie and I, we talk that they have seven employees. Well, if Jordan needs fertilizer or chemical, they go get it. And we're opposite. We have one guy that like runs our trucking company and then a hired man that does the irrigation and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if Bart needs fertilizer, I go get it. Right. Because that's how our operation runs. That doesn't mean that Kylie's doing less than me. It's just that we're so diverse that that's how you have to look at things is that what works for your operation may not work for someone else's and where you're at is important. If you're a working mom and still trying to be on the farm, you're so important. I can't imagine trying to do that. And if you're at home raising the babies and that's what you need to be doing, that's your season. That's important because it's what you're doing. It's the season you're in and it's what works for your family. So I feel like it's hard for people to grasp that concept when you see everyone's good on social media of they're doing more than you, but really it's just what works for you and what you can do. Yeah. I think it's important to not, like you said, compare yourself to others because Mm -hmm. you're important in your own role and, um, Things wouldn't get done if you didn't, if you weren't there to take the dinner or they wouldn't get fed right. or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yep. Also, kind of while we're still on the subject of kind of being a woman in the agriculture industry, what are maybe some challenges you've faced um, diving into all of these new roles? Well, I feel like for the longest time, you know, like my Grammy's generation, which was two, three generations ago, her role was solely homemaker. Or, you know, same thing, give rides, make the supper. I feel like people got so set in their ways with that, that women didn't do the big things that the men did. So then when my generation or the generation before me started doing that, people got, I don't know if they got nervous or felt like their jobs were being taken. You know, it's hard to be a woman in ag. People don't take you serious. So I'll give this for an example. Um, Bart was busy spraying and we had a, you know, we don't, him and I like to learn about markets. That's not something we're strong in. And so our local co-op had a marketing meeting and he couldn't make it. And I, we both really thought that it was something we should hear or at least get paperwork on. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just get up. I'll take the kids. I'll go. I don't even know where Bodie was, if it was school time or what, but I had Layton and Rowdy, our two youngest, And I was nervous. I started getting sweaty pits and my heart was racing because I knew that I would be the only woman in there and the only woman with kids. Right. So I'm like, guys, when we get in here, you have to be quiet. I brought the colors, the iPad. And I was so nervous. And it's so dumb because it's people in our town that I know. Right. So I walk in and it was just like instant eyes to me. Like, why does she have kids? Uh And it's like, God dang it. Like, I can learn too. Right. Yeah, I may have a baby on my hip. So we sat in there for 40 minutes and the speaker, I didn't know him. He was from a bigger city, would not look at me. He didn't look at me for 40 minutes in that meeting. 
And he asked a question. Um, I don't even remember what it was. When should you try to have your grain marketed by? And I just said, July. And he just looked at me and he said, I maybe should have been paying more attention to you. And I said, I think you maybe should have. Yeah. And so then the rest of the meeting, he looked at me. He would, you know, as speakers do, look at everyone in the room, finally looked at me. And so I think a big thing for women that they have to do is break through the, the hard don't like, don't let your nerves make you scared to do things that you want to do. Because I mean, I could have just sat there and been quiet the whole time, but I knew the answer to that question. And so I spoke up and he respected me the rest of the meeting. So I think women need to know that asking questions is okay. Learning to be courageous and brave and do the hard things. It's going to make your pulse go high. It's going to make you nervous, but you just need to take big breaths and do it. Otherwise, you're just going to be overlooked forever. Absolutely. I think that's another thing that um, even personally, sometimes I struggle with it because I feel like, oh, I've kind of been removed from the agriculture world while I was in college. And I don't know if people are going to take me seriously trying to get back into it and all these things. But I mean, you just kind of like you just said, have to be confident and right. be confident in your story and your abilities and forge ahead. I feel like also asking question makes you feel like you're you're wanting to know and Absolutely. I'm always asking questions. People probably get annoyed by me, but if like my brother-in-law and Bart are talking and I hear them say something I don't quite understand, I'm like, "Wait, can you explain that?" Yeah. And they both do a really good job of respecting me and explaining it because I'm trying to learn just like them. Right. Yeah, and I like exactly like you just said. I think if people understand that you are inquiring to be more educated, then they're more apt to um right. pay attention and help. Right. Um so last thing I want to touch on before we kind of wrap things up here, but you just had a huge event that was supposed to be in person and then kind of changed to virtual and I'm still kicking myself in the pants because <laughs> I saw it and I was like, "Oh, I need to sign up for that." And then 15 other million things happened. But you just Life had happened. <laughs> um, a virtual um, Cultivating Courage conference. Um, tell us yes. a little bit about that and how all that went. So, again, with mom life, here I am seeing all these people go to a, women and ag events because, you know, spring is kind of when that's big in Kansas. And I just, I couldn't commit to Bart's busy. His parents run a ranch. Like, I can't ask them. My mom's busy. You know, I, I couldn't find somewhere for my kids to go and I wanted to go bad. And it's like one of those things when you become a mom, you have to learn to say no sometimes when you really want to go. And so I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try to do one here. If anything, I'll invite some of my friends to speak and we'll get to see each other is what I thought. So I had 11 speakers. Um, in the end, when we went virtual, 175 women registered. It turned out to be way bigger than I ever thought our town supported by sponsoring so much. And so, yeah, it worked out awesome. The speakers were great and I was so excited to be able to get that going. Yeah. So is this something you think you're going to kind of continually do annually or? I do. I think it'll be annual. I hope that this time next year, the coronavirus madness is settled down and we can do it in person. Yeah. Um, I do think the online went really well. You could watch it at your own leisure and and the speakers were so good. I mean, I cried. I laughed. <laughs> I had all the emotions listening to my friends talk. I know. I feel like I saw it on everybody's kind of social media as they were walking through things. And I definitely had FOMO. I was like, why didn't I get on that sooner? Right. Uh, and that's like, that's a FOMO is a real thing. Like yes. I have that all the time. And so that's why I essentially wanted to try to start this for people this way. Yeah. 
Well, I, um, I'm looking forward to it for next year, for sure. And um, if, every, if anybody watching, stay tuned for next year's. Um, yeah. I'm sure it'll be a great one as well. So last kind of thing here is I usually conclude this by saying or asking you if you have anything you would like to share, um, just kind of blanket statement to wrap things up um, to agriculture or non-agriculture um, literate individuals who may be watching. So I guess to the non-agriculture community, I would just like you all to know that, you know, being a sprayer's wife, I feel like we get so much flack for chemical and we care so much about the land and our crops and our family. This is our blood, sweat, and time. It's our life. And so we're not putting anything out there in the market that is going to harm you. We're, we're, this is our love. We're doing what we can with what we got and we would never try to harm anyone. So just know that your food is safe, organic or not. We have the biggest surplus of advantages in America with our food supply. It's unreal. So whatever you're buying at the grocery store, no matter the label, anything, it's safe and know that farmers truly care. Awesome. Thank you so much, Whitney, for your time. And uh, for those who are viewing, I hope you enjoyed that and got something out of it. I know I did. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Dirt. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ag Chicks and that the visual version of every episode can be found on YouTube on our Ag Chicks channel. We'll see you all next time.